0: I didn't think I was lovable when I came in. I know better now. Life couldn't be better. I'm okay. And there's a serenity that comes with abstinence. I just wish that everyone could have it.
1: Food Addiction is a podcast which explores the disease of food addiction and presents the solution. We interview professionals and counselors who specialize in the disease of food addiction, and we interview individuals who have successfully recovered from food addiction and discuss how they did it. Esther Helga Goodmans-Dotier was motivated to change careers after she recovered from food addiction by opening a food addiction treatment center and the InFact School, the world's first and only sugar and food addiction counseling training, which offers a recognized certification. Check out the website for more information on obtaining this certification as well as proven recovery programs at infactschool.com. Listen to these episodes as we discuss the problem and the solution around food addiction. I'm Susan Branscom and I am a recovered food addict and the host of this podcast, Food Addiction, the Problem and the Solution. You heard in the intro to the podcast, we host professionals as well as people who have recovered from the disease of food addiction. Today, my guest on the podcast is DC, a recovered food addict. Welcome to the podcast, D. Thank you so much, Susan. Yeah, yeah. We're going to dive into some questions. Uh, during these podcast uh, recordings with our recovered food addicts, we talk about what it was like before you recovered, um, how you did it, the ahas you had in recovery. I'm going to relate some of my experience if I think it would be helpful to the listeners and what, what, uh, you know, what it was like and, and you know, give our listeners some hope that there is a solution to our disease. So let's, um, let's start by talking about uh, where you're from, where, where did you grow up, a little bit more about,
0: about you. Okay, well, I uh, am a native Connecticut-born person. Um, I was born in, whoa, 1940. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, I was the daughter of immigrants, number two out of seven, um, but mm-hmm. the oldest girl, so I started being a caretaker early in my life. Um we were poor, but I didn't know that. Nobody told me. I had good food. I had a good home. I had always was well-dressed, um, went to a parochial school. So I had all of the things that, um, that I needed to grow up. And, um, sure. I, where did your
1: parents immigrate from?
0: Uh, from the Madeira Islands, it was—you um, know—they did a good job with us. I didn't think always think that when I was growing up, but certainly looking back, I can see the sacrifices they made for us and. Uh, We've all prospered and we've all thrived, and uh, and life is good.
1: Um, it sounds like your childhood was, you know, a good one. Um, you said you was. were poor, but you didn't, you didn't know it. And um, what were what was childhood and teenage? What were those years like around your food and weight?
0: I was not born a compulsive overeater. I know many people say they are, but I wasn't. Um, You know, growing up in the 40s, it was um, during the war and sugar was rationed. So I wasn't, you know, eating a lot of sweets or uh, things like that. Um, I always had good, solid, healthy food. And um, I, can remember as a child wishing I could have some of that uh, mushy uh, white stuff, but my parents bought good whole grain things. And um, I d- look back now and think that's why I'm so healthy today because mm. of the way I ate then. Um, I didn't have a weight problem. And then in high school, um, I joined together with a group of girls And we were all short, 5'2", 5'1", and I was the fat one in the group. But I weighed 115 pounds So was I fat? No But in my head I sure was And so I started dieting in high school Trying to get down to the 100 pounds that all of my friends are And my body was not built that way I will never ever be 100 pounds But I started a dieting history And um I managed to diet my way from 115 pounds up to 215 pounds before I found the uh, 12-step rooms. Um, Yeah. So through high school I dieted, through college I dieted, and um, uh, always carried maybe 10 pounds more than I should have. But it wasn't anything that made me obese or drastically overweight. But my head was always telling me that I was too fat, that I needed Mm -hmm. to lose weight. And I tried a lot of things. Um,
1: Yeah, we'll go into that. I want to ask you about your teenage years. Those were similar to my teenage years. My friends were all thinner than I was. They didn't seem to struggle with their weight. They just ate what they wanted to and they were thin. And I had a more muscly athletic body. And I remember thinking 10 pounds doesn't sound like very much, but when you're in high school, it's a lot, you know, and, um, there's a lot of pressure, especially back then. And when I grew up in the sixties and seventies to be thin, to be very thin and not have any extra weight, um, so you talked about the mushy white stuff what is, what was that
0: uh uh the white bread Oh okay bread. white bread yeah. yeah yeah you know I had the whole wheat the rye all of those good good healthy grains um yeah but uh yeah and uh you talked about what it was like growing up then when I was in college um I had a good friend and uh she was called to the nurse's office And she was told she would not get her teaching certificate unless she lost weight. Mm. And she tried and tried and she couldn't, so she dropped out of uh, college because of it. And uh, weight was just a big, big issue back then, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was. It was even like for uh, that story. And then airline attendants, you know, were expected to be at a certain weight or they couldn't work. You know, I mean, there's a lot of pressure to be thin, um, as in, during our childhood. So, uh, we're going to talk about dieting and, and, uh, you said you dieted your way up to 200 plus pounds. Um, and we'll talk about that. When did you really realize that? You had a preoccupation with food and weight, and it wasn't typical or normal. Is that your teenage years?
0: Um I didn't know it then, but yes, yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. As I said, I was constantly, constantly dieting, and uh, I had two modes. I was either in diet mode or I was in binge mode. I had no in-between. And um, Mm -hmm. because I was so busy and active um, after college, you know, teaching, traveling, grad school, I never really – put on a lot of weight. Um, it was always manageable, but I was always aware that it was very, very easy for me to gain weight. And if I lost 10 pounds, my life was good. And if I gained 10 pounds, my life was horrible, horrible.
1: Right. And yeah.
0: so, yeah, it was a fixation. I hadn't thought of it in that way, Susan, but yeah, you're right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the food takes up such space in our heads. Uh, and, and I was the same way. You know, I, I was either on a diet or I was off a diet. And if I wasn't on a diet, I was thinking about the next one that was going to cure this, this problem I had with weight and my obsession with food. Um, so I relate to what you're saying there. Talk about the dieting and the trigger foods and sugar. You identify as a food addict, is that right? Oh
0: my gosh, for sure, for sure. If I don't eat something, I don't want it. But the minute I put some food into my mouth, sugar, carbs... grains. uh, I want more and I can't stop. I have no stop button. If I don't start, I'm okay. But once I start, I can't stop. And so uh, that was, uh, nobody ever told me that I had an addiction. And you know, I did so many things, um, so many things and spent thousands of dollars, but nobody ever said, once you stop this, it's all coming back. And uh, yeah, right,
1: right. Yeah. I mean, um, food addicts, uh, as we talk about Esther, Helga has talked about this and other professionals. It is a brain disease, you know, and not everybody that's obese is a food addict. But with addicts, uh, we just like with food, we ingest it and we have to have more and then we become obsessed with having more. And sugar was like that for me. And until and we'll talk about recovery but until I got fully abstinent from sugar and trigger foods, I couldn't really recover. So talk about the diet experience, uh, what that was like. Did you use, I assume you used commercial programs like yeah, I did and di- yeah. diet
0: pills? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I did pills for a while and went to a doctor. Um, and honestly, um, you know, in my 20s, early 30s, it wasn't a major problem, Um um, I got pregnant, and in um, 1969, uh, I was pregnant, gained eight pounds during the pregnancy, and delivered a set of twins. Mm. Um, so I came out of the pregnancy thinner than I started, which was unbelievable. And that first year, I didn't gain any weight um, because I was just so tired and so busy uh, with two little babies. My husband was an airline pilot. So he was gone a great deal of the time. So I had the two children to take care of. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't out a lot. I wasn't teaching. I wasn't going to school. I wasn't traveling. And that's when I started eating more and more and more. And that's Mm -hmm. also when I started with the diet program. So I tried, can I say the name of Yeah, uh, you can say the
1: names. Yeah. yeah,
0: I tried Weight Watchers, which just didn't work for me. It gave me too much leeway. And I'm a person who can't have that leeway. Um, I tried Diet Center. I tried women's weight loss. I I went to a doctor and... um, I I did it all. I did it all. Uh, You know, um, spent thousands and thousands of dollars. So my girls were born in 1969. And five years later, when I got pregnant again, I was up to uh, 175 pounds. Right. You're only five, five, you said five, one. Five two. Well, that's today. I used to be five <laughs> two and a half. Yeah, yeah, I
1: know. We do shrink.
0: Yeah. Um, so, um, I, I really, really, I mean, and I, it was so, I was not a happy, fat person. It was yeah. my ego took a nosedive. Um, I, you know, I can remember meeting an old boyfriend from college. And he wasn't sure it was me, and I denied it was me because I didn't want him to know what I had become. Mm. Um, I can remember going into a store that we frequented often, and the owner asked me when the baby was due, and I wasn't pregnant. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, My ego just took a tremendous, tremendous nosedive. And after that second pregnancy, the weight didn't come off. Right. And um, I got up to, I think, 187, and that's, you know, started all of the rounds of every possible system uh, I tried them all, and yeah. it, they worked until they didn't work, because right. nobody told me that this was going to be my life, that I was not a person who could eat normally, that I had an addiction Uh, And so once I stopped doing a program, all of the weight would come back on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I did the same thing. I would lose and, and gain 50, 60 pounds. I was really good at dieting. I did it for 43 years. And the thing about these commercial programs is they don't tell you how to maintain. It's not a good business plan for them because they really want you to come back and, um, when you gain the weight back, uh, but we are not normal eaters as food addicts. And, uh, you know, once we ingest sugar or trigger foods or vol- I was a volume eater, um, you know, my weight went up to 203 pounds and, um, you know, I've kept 70 pounds off and, uh, we're going to talk about how you kept the amount of weight you've kept off and how, how you did it. Um, but there's a lot of shame, uh, that, that you're referring to around, Absolutely around carrying extra weight and uh it sounds like you have an accomplished uh career and teaching and so forth and it's like i could do all of these other things really well but it's not something i could do is keep a keep weight off and they just the shame um about it Uh, talk about that
0: yeah with the shame um it just brought to mind just um an incident um When I I was a stay-at-home mom for 18 years. And then when I went back to work, um, I worked in domestic violence as a victim advocate. Mm -hmm. And um, I will never forget the woman who came in who had been abused and beaten by her boyfriend. And she said to me, it's okay, I'm fat, and he doesn't like me fat. So she was okay with the abuse. And... um, That just broke my heart because I could relate to that. I could relate to the fact that we had so much shame around what we were and that we never felt we were enough or good enough. And um, I certainly felt all of those things. And I ended up becoming not a very nice person, pushy, Mm -hmm. argumentative, all of those things. Um, as I said earlier, my husband was an airline pilot. I could fly anywhere on that line for free, and I wouldn't do it because I didn't want anybody to know that this is what his wife looked like. Oh, so wow. the shame the shame was overwhelming. And um, mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. looking back at it, i I don't know how I survived it. As, yeah, know, as
1: well as I did. yeah. yeah, well, um, you know, a lot of times we use food to manage our emotions. you know, we are at addicted physically, but often we use it to manage anger, fear, resentment, right? And uh, that's what that's what I did. And you were talking about the agitation and that you weren't nice. I think for me, I could not control my weight, and so that made me so agitated and irritable, and I didn't know why. I just hadn't found the the right diet, you know, and it was just demoralizing. Um, but as it turns out, as you know, we, we are different. We need a different uh, structure and accountability, and uh, we'll get into that. So that's what you're talking about. Um, what uh, we know that... Um, You know, uh, addiction like food addiction, it can be one of several or one of a couple of addictions. Um, Alcoholism, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Uh, You were talking about smoking and there's science around food addiction being a brain disease and we have addict type brains, right? We, when we like something, we like it a lot and we become, we can become obsessive about things, right? So talk about that.
0: Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yes, I certainly drank too much. I certainly drank too much. And that started in college. Um, and, you know, when we you say we can become addicted to anything, um, I had a daughter who smoked. And every time I got into her car, I said, oh, this smells horrible. And one day she got into my car and she sniffed, sniffed and said, what is that smell? And the back seat was covered with gum wrappers because oh. I was up to like four or five packs of gum. And eventually I put the gum down. You give it to me, I can become addicted to it. Right. Uh, I don't know if you can, you know, I have books. I'm addicted to books. I'm addicted to shopping. Um, most of it manageable these days, but I, my brain is an addict's brain, and you know, I love one of the uh, people who goes to our meeting uh, will say, you know, has said, "What do you? What are you addicted to?" And his answer is, "What do you got?"
1: And that's you got? me. Yeah. What
0: do you got? I, you know what? I can become addicted to anything. Yeah. And for me, there's no in-between. I either have to stop it um, or know that it's going to continue out of control. But, right. But honestly, becoming addicted to gum, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I yeah. was too, and I still chew it. I told my person I talked to about it and how much I was eating, and my jaw hurt, I was sorbitol, all of that, so I can have four pieces a day. Uh, And that's, that's my limit and that's my agreement. And so I have two at lunch and two at dinner after dinner. So I've managed to like, uh, you know, have some uh, abstinence around gum, but gosh, give me something that I like and I'm going to, I'm going to probably get addicted to it in some way. And that's the way our brains work. Right. So uh, talk about your bottom. Where, where was your bottom? What uh, was that like?
0: Oh, wow. Uh, My bottom, um, It was um, 1985. Um, I had uh, three girls by then. I would get up in the morning, have breakfast with them, send them off to school, and sit at the kitchen table with a book and snacks. And I would eat and eat until they came home for lunch. I'd have lunch with them send them back to school and i would stretch out on the couch in a stupor from all of the food And they'd come home from school i'd have a snack with them and um, after supper um, i would send them to bed early and because my husband was away so much that was my eating time and i would eat until bedtime and then it would start all over and one day I was stretched out on the couch with the television on and uh, it was a local program and there were some people with their box to the camera and they told about being in a 12 step program and I was desperate. I was totally, totally desperate. And um, they told about being in a 12 step program I found out where it was locally and um, went. I actually, the first time I drove to that meeting, waited in the parking lot, and nobody came. And I was so relieved that nobody came because yeah. I was petrified. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then I did get, I did find a local 12 step meeting for, for food issues. And uh, started going to that, and um, it really, really didn't work. But um, anyway, um, I, I was trying it. Um, we were going to Amsterdam in December, and I decided I had to lose weight so that I could button my winter coat. Hmm. And so yeah. I started to be a little bit more serious about it, but never... Never abstinent, never really yeah. abstinent. And um, when we yeah. came back from that trip, I knew I had to do it. It was that or stay at 215 pounds for the rest of my life. That yeah. was my bottom, yeah. The
1: bottom, you know, <clears throat> the bottom is, you know, from, and I want to talk about your bottom, but it's almost like, okay, you're just eating so much. And then we, of course, we eat, many of us eat in isolation and secret. We don't want people to know, you know, how much we're eating. Of course, we wear this disease, you know, you can't get away with um, this disease because we, you know, many times we are, you know, morbidly obese and uh, the secret, there's power in the secret, right? So, it just sounds to me like, you know, you knew when you watched the TV program that you were not eating normally, that you just had reached a point where, you didn't want to live like
0: that. Am I, am I right? Oh my, you are so right. I was just, you know, my life on the outside looked great. I had everything, a beautiful family, a beautiful home, but inside I was totally, totally miserable. And uh, with the day of the, I can tell you the day I started my journey to abstinence, um, we, my husband and I had gone out to a restaurant with uh, some neighbors. It was a new restaurant. They didn't have a liquor license, uh, so they brought a free bottle of uh, liquor to the table, and I took a drink, and the more I drank, the more I ate. And when that meal was over, I realized just how sick I was. Mm -hmm. And I sent my husband home with a neighbor, and I drove to a 12-step meeting, and I totally, totally broke down. It was the first time in my entire life that I ever told anybody what I was really doing with the food. Mm -hmm. And that was the day that... um,
1: yeah.
0: I admitted that I was powerless, that I just couldn't control it anymore.
1: Right. That's when, you know, we spend a lot of time in denial. It's not that bad. You know, I, I can lose this weight. I just need to find the next right diet. But there is, there comes a point with everybody that recovers, I think, that reaches a bottom and says, I don't want to live like this anymore. I am not, I am not able to do this on my own. Uh, I would like to do it on my own, but you have talked about this. You didn't get it right away. You went in, you, you, you met with them and you just weren't honest at the beginning, but eventually you had that like real bottom where you said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm ready to do whatever you guys tell me to do. Right.
0: It, that was it. Exactly. Um, I just, and you know, uh, for me, um, Being able to do it myself and being in control had always been so important to me. I am a strong woman. I can do it by myself. I don't need your help. And to finally admit that I couldn't do it by myself was probably the most important thing I've ever done in my life.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that in my case too, that, uh, we get to live, you know, we get to live. Um, so talk about when you became abstinent from the food and the compulsive overeating and the, the addiction and talk about, we talk about the solution. Um, so abstinence, uh, the solution, what, uh, what did you do to start recovery?
0: Yeah, uh, the first 12-step program I, I I came into just didn't work for me, but I heard about an offshoot of that 12-step program, mm-hmm. and that's the one where I finally got abstinent. And I can remember that um, that night so vividly where I left the restaurant, went to a meeting, told them what I was doing and who I was, and they guided me and they said, the first thing you have to do is call your sponsor and tell her what you have been doing. Because I had been lying to her. I would call and say, no, it was a good day when actually I had picked up the food and or had binged or whatever. And I finally knew that I was going to have to get honest. So I called her that morning, and um, that morning was um, January 4th, 1986. Hmm. And I called her that morning, and I said, I have been lying to you. I have been cheating. I just can't do this anymore. And she agreed that she would continue to sponsor me as long as I was honest with her. Yeah. Yeah and uh, yeah
1: we have to be we have to be honest, we have to tell telling ourselves, and when we do that, we're doing it with people who are also addicted to food and have issues with food, and they're they're never surprised right the uh so we have to get honest and we have to admit this because the denial is powerful. we don't want to lose the food because it's it's so important to us, you know, when we're in it when we're addicted to it so um so talk about your recovery what uh we yeah, talk one, about not doing
0: yeah go ahead one of the things you just mentioned was that we are doing it with people who understand all of the commercial programs i had been in before really didn't understand food addiction they They were not a support. They were salespeople and Mm -hmm. didn't understand. So when I came into the 12-step program and realized that these people, I mean, were people who knew who I was, I didn't have to say anything other than I'm a food addict, and they got it. And it was that knowledge, knowing that they had been through it, that they had been successful, that made me want to continue. Right. We're
1: not normal eaters. And, uh, you know, if if you think about Weight Watchers and Nutrisystem, Jenny Craig, all of them, if you are not a food addict and you know that you have weight to lose, theoretically you can go in, do the diet, lose weight, and then watch what you're eating and keep the weight off. But that's not how we're wired, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I had never been able to stay successful. I could be successful for a little while, but I couldn't stay successful. And and that's the difference between those programs and what I found in the 12-step rooms, the acknowledgement that I was an addict and that it was not a moral issue and that I didn't need willpower. It wasn't about willpower at all. If I had willpower... I wouldn't have to do this.
1: Right. We could have done it, you know, uh, 43 years of experimenting on my part, you know, is just, why can't I do this? You know, and it's not about willpower. You know, if it was, you and I would, would have lost weight and kept it off and not have to, (laughs) not have to have gone through recovery. But let's talk about your recovery. Uh, we talk about not doing this forever. When I thought about not eating sugar ever again in my life, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. So, but I, uh, I do this just for today. So what do you do every day to stay recovered?
0: Oh, my. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a big question. Um, first of all, um, I write my food down for the day. I, and... After I've written it, I call my sponsor and commit it to her. And if I need to make food changes, um, I call her back or call another twelve-step person who's qualified, so that I—it's not my uh, plan.
1: Once right, it's I've not your, one, yeah, I've turned it's it not your food and mm-hmm.
0: sponsor, right. and it's hers. And right. uh, and then for the rest of the day. I eat three weighed and measured meals a day, nothing in between, but coffee, tea, or diet soda, and um, that's it. And, um, you know, I've I've said, you know, I get up in the morning, I brush my teeth, I weigh and measure my three meals. It's become part of my routine. Um, And the amazing part, Susan, is that once I got some abstinent time under my belt, all of the cravings went away because I wasn't putting my drug of choice into my body. And I don't crave things. I can go to parties. I can go to buffets. It's not mine. And because it's not mine, I'm okay with not having it.
1: Right. Yeah, I do the same thing. I commit my food every day to um, to someone, and I um, I read and write every day on recovery. Uh, I make sure I work in you know prayer and meditation. Um, I, I I assume you do that, but I weigh and measure everything. Yeah, I'm sure you do that because what? Uh, not only do we have to do the the what you're talking about as as food addicts, but we um, also have to get to what we talk about as the causes and conditions of why we were eating, and that's the emotional and mental recovery. Talk about what that's been like for you.
0: Oh, um, emotionally, I'm happy with myself. Good. I wasn't happy with myself. 37 years ago, um, peaceful. Um, Um, it, and it wasn't, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. It took time. Um, as soon as I got my 90 days and in my program, once you have 90 days, you're eligible to do service. My sponsor threw me out there and said, you will do service. Yeah. And uh, she said, you will go, you know, I can remember when I started before, before my abstinence date, um, she wanted me to go to at least three meetings a week. And I said, I can't do that. I lead a busy, busy life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, once I admitted that I was powerless, somehow I found time to go to five meetings a week. And um, at those meetings, uh, there were qual- qualification meetings where there would be speakers. There were also 12-step 12, uh, 12 meetings. And she said, uh, you will start the steps. And uh, she didn't push me into it. She she gave me time to adjust to, um, to living a new kind of life, mm-hmm. and then gradually led me into doing the steps. And uh, as I said, she threw me out into doing service because I think that's a, an essential part of the 12-step work. Mm-hmm. And so uh, going to meetings, doing service, and I've done it on all levels, um, from the local meeting to the World Service meetings. Um, and it's also kept me in the middle of the herd. That's a phrase we like to use. Mm-hmm. So that that... Um, So that I always, always have my 12-step program and my 12-step friends around me. Mm -hmm. And emotionally, the other thing, um, I share with my 12-step friends things that I don't share with my civilian friends. Because 12-steppers get me. They know I'm an addict. They know how I react to things. And that was a big thing for me emotionally because I kept a lot of things secret and a lot of things hidden. Yeah. So emotionally, I started to be able to admit to people that I wasn't perfect, that these were the things that were going wrong in my life, and many of them due to my own fault. Right. Yeah. As
1: food addicts, you know, we use food to manage our emotions often, um, and, and it works uh, temporarily. You know, whether it's fear or um, anger, uh, w- we use food. And with uh, recovery, we use the program of recovery to uh, help us deal with what comes up in our lives. And, and like you said, when you, you were know, like me, when you dieted and lost weight, life would be perfect. And life is never perfect, you know, no matter how thin we are, no matter how healthy we are physically, life is not perfect and we need to find a way, you know, a manageable way to deal with it, right? And that's recovery. So, food has um, a lot of, uh, when I first became abstinent from food and sugar and other trigger foods, there was a releasing of the toxicity of the food from my system, and it took me a while to get, to become what we call neutral to food, um, the neutrality, like you say, and uh, people have told me, Susan, that's no longer our food. You go to a, sh- a baby shower, you're not going to eat the cake. Everybody else is eating the cake. Why can't you just have one bite, you know? So we find that we have neutrality to food, right?
0: Absolutely. And it's funny that you said that. I have a baby shower this week and I have a party this week. And uh, I know the party will be lots of drinking and lots of food. And I'm just going to go to enjoy the company. And for me, that's enough. I'm going to eat my dinner before I go to the party. Yeah. And and some of these cakes are beautiful, aren't they? They're yeah. just they're beautiful. It's not our food. No, no, no. no, no. It's not mine. It's not yeah. mine. And I'm okay with that. And my family, of course, has gotten used to it. And um, sure, most of them support me. And uh, I have. Had a younger brother who would try to take something off of my food plate, and I would hit his hand no. and say, it. say well, No, it's all I'm going to get today, and you can't have any right.
1: Um, yeah, people but, and, and dogs cannot have our food now. This is our food, we, we're gonna eat every bite, right?
0: Oh, yes, and I have a dog who's a compulsive over eater. So. <laughs> She understands fully that I'm not going to give her anything from the table. She can only eat what's in her dish. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, so you know, it just so so many things. But for me, I think the most important thing that has helped me um, is uh, staying in the middle of the herd, working mm-hmm. the twelve steps, uh, doing an A wall, which is a program called a Way of Life. Where we go through the steps and um, and and my um, my idea of my higher power has changed too. Mm. Um, I How grew, so? I grew up with a higher power that was punishing, and that it was uh, you do this or you're a bad girl, you do this or you're a bad person, and that's not what I believe any longer. Being in the rooms have taught me that uh, god is a gentle kind god and mm-hmm. um and um uh that's been a big transformation for me and i think for me the major difference is i'm no longer religious but i am spiritual yeah uh the religion confined me and kept me uh, feeling that i wasn't enough Uh, Spirituality uh, means that I have a higher power that I can pray to, uh, that I know is there for me, and is not there to punish me, but to take care of me.
1: Right. Yeah, the 12 steps hold out the possibility that a higher power may or may not be a god. Uh, I grew up with a with a religion that said if I was a good girl I would be okay, but if I did anything bad I would be you know that I was bad or that God would punish me. The same the same thing. I know now that I could not have recovered uh, from my addiction on my own. Now what is that higher power? I I don't know that I can say I know for sure, but I do know that there is a spirit. There is something out there looking out for me. And maybe it's my higher instinct. Maybe it's the group. Uh, maybe it's, you know, just, I don't know what it is, but there are too many miracles out there to believe that there's not something.
0: Yeah. And you know, the first time I went through the steps, um, (laughs) My fourth step inventory was incredible. It's where we take a fearless moral inventory of our lives. Well, everything that was wrong in my life was because of somebody else. My husband was terrible. My daughter's teachers were terrible. My neighbors were terrible. None of it was my fault. Yeah. Right. And then with each successive fourth step inventory I did, um, I peeled some of those layers of the onion away and said, whoops, maybe this one was my fault. Maybe my husband's not a bad person. Right, And, um, it, you know, I had to do many fourth-step inventories. Uh, yeah. And there are a couple of people who have been on my list for all of those. Because there's, <laughs> You know what? I think... Uh, when I do my final fourth step inventory, my sister in law will probably still be there, but, uh, <laughs> but I also try to pray for her and uh,
1: yeah, yeah, and wish that's her what the we best. do. Yeah, we'll so, talk about mm-hmm. yeah, talk about what your life is like now. How um, you know, I mean, how different it is uh, that you're you're in recovery from food addiction. I mean. And and to me, you know, talk about yours, but I I ne- never imagined that any of this was possible.
0: You know, I I never met. Not only did I never imagine that it was possible, I never imagined that I could do it for this amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have thirty-seven years of abstinence. Congratulations so to, me, to me. That you know what? It's not a, it's not my doing. It's right the program, yeah. the group, my higher power. But it's amazing to me. When I first came into uh, the 12-step rooms, um, I was going to do stay till I lost the weight. And then I lost 95 pounds in the mm-hmm. first year. And it was just shy of a year. And I said, well, I might as well stay around for the year anniversary. And it just kept on going and kept on going. And um, my life changed drastically because I felt differently about myself. I -hmm. went back to school in abstinence, got another degree, started a new career in abstinence, um, and uh, did so many of the things. That I hadn't done or hadn't enjoyed doing. I've always been a traveler, uh, but for me, traveling was about the food, the drink, the partying. And in abstinence, uh, I learned to enjoy a country and its people for who they were. And I've traveled extensively. And, uh, mm. you know, I always have extra food with me. So if I can't get what I need, I have it with me. Um, I, um, life is totally different. When, um, when I retired, I volunteered for 13 years teaching ESL and, uh, English second language. Yeah. And that just brought me to a different place. And I did that for 13 years. And then my husband became ill and I stopped and, uh, because he just needed a lot of my time and a lot of my attention. Mm -hmm. And then when he passed away, and I just shared this at a meeting the other day, we knew that death was coming. And in my refrigerator, I had a weighed and measured lunch ready, weighed and measured dinner ready. And when the nurse came in and said, this is coming soon, I said, I'm going to finish my dinner, and then I will come in and that to somebody who doesn't understand my addiction that sounds crazy but i have had to learn to take care of myself first i mm-hmm. have to put my needs first and right. if i had gotten into the food i wouldn't have been there for anyone else yeah. so my husband has been gone for 5 years i miss him terribly but i mm, love I'm sorry. him but I love living alone. <laughs> and, um, <Yeah. laughs> I, I just love living alone. I never have had the opportunity to do that before. Um, I eat what I want, when I want, where I want. Um,
1: yeah. And I'm very... I just, yeah, I just hear a lot of uh, serenity in the abstinence and you can do anything abstinent, right? We know that you can go through the death of a loved one, uh, illness, uh, anything abstinently. We don't have to go to food. So, yeah, 37 years of abstinence and you've kept off a 100-pound, essentially a 100-pound weight loss, right?
0: Yeah, basically, basically. Yeah. And uh, and of course, my body has changed tremendously since yes. then. But you know what? I do yoga once a week. I do an exercise class a week. Um, I uh, walk my dog. Uh, I'm active. I'm uh, secretary of the condo association, um, membership uh, chair for the Friends of the Library group, Um I'm 82 years old. 82, yeah. I attribute this to my 12-step body, that yeah. for all of these years, um, my weighing and measuring of my food, by eliminating all of those things that were triggers for me, right. I've been able to stay healthy. And, uh, yeah.
1: You yeah. take the chatter of the food and weight out of your head when you Absolutely. do this, right? And Dee, so as we wrap up here, congratulations on 37 years. I know you you talked about giving credit to others and and um, the people in the program and your higher power, uh, but 100, almost 100 pound weight loss, uh, weight release, as we say, uh, after 37 years, and you didn't think you could do it a day at a time but if anyone is listening um uh, that might be might be a food addict thinks he or she might be a food addict or uh, compulsive overeater what what kind of message would you would you give to them what uh, what would you say
0: well i know That I was a down and dirty food addict. I mean, I really, really was. And if I could do it when I believed there was no answer for me, that there was no solution, I know that it is possible. And um, I just wish that everyone could find what I have, that... uh, that I, you know, uh, 37 years, if I just had gained five pounds a year, which I used to be able to do in a weekend, oh, I, yeah. I don't know where I'd, I, yes, I do know. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. It's hard work at the beginning, but once you get it, life becomes easy. Life becomes better. And, uh, I would not trade I would not trade this for anything. Um, my psychiatrist said to me one day, "There's only one thing wrong with 12-step programs." And I said, "Oh, what's that?" And he said, "You have to be an addict." Because he felt everybody should be in a 12-step program. Um, it,
1: would be, it would make my life a lot easier if everybody in my life was in a 12-step is program. Is exactly, is exactly. But there is a solution. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah, there is absolutely. a solution. Is, and you can be 82 years old and, and, and be healthy and happy. And, um, you know, for many years we didn't know that that was possible, right?
0: Absolutely. When I tell you I was a miserable, miserable person. Um, And, you know, most of it was, I thought, self-inflicted. I thought it was my fault. And once I learned it was an addiction and not a moral issue. And that changed the whole thing for me. Mm-hmm. And to get the support, um, I have had incredible sponsors in my program, yeah. uh, women who have guided and led me and loved me. Yeah. And um, I didn't think I was lovable when I came in. Uh, yeah. I know better now. Um, I, you know, life is good. Life couldn't be better. Um, I'm okay. And um uh, You know, as I can see the light at the end of the tunnel coming closer and closer, that's okay, too. That's okay, too. And there's a serenity that comes with abstinence um, that is just amazing, and um, Mm -hmm. I just wish that everyone could have it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's freedom. Uh, there's, uh, just freedom and serenity, peace, groundedness in being abstinent and living, you know, living this life. I was slowly killing myself with food and, uh, we don't have to do that any longer, but it is about self-love. I hear that's what you're saying. Not only, you know, higher power, you're talking about the spirituality, but we learn to love ourselves. We haven't always been taught to do that.
0: Yeah. And I know, um, in some of the 12-step rooms, we say we will love you until you can love, you, learn to love yourself. Yes. And I think that's what happened. My sponsors yeah. never gave up on me. They worked with me. And right. um, I owe so, so much to those women who, who led the way for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Dee, thank you for joining me on the uh, podcast today, Food Addiction. It's been great. And I know that the listeners will get a lot out of your share. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here today.
0: Thank you, Susan. And thank you for making this so easy for me.
1: This is the Food Addiction Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and learned more about this disease. We hope you will rate and write a review on this podcast and share it with others. If you or someone you know is suffering from the disease of food addiction, there is a solution. The various food addiction recovery programs are available and listed on the website, theinfactschool.com. Or if you would like to know more about how to get certified in treating food addiction, the school is accepting applications now for its next training beginning in September 2023. Go to theinfactschool.com. That's I-N-F-A-C-T school.com to learn more.